Welcome. This is your host, award-winning travel journalist and content creator, Jeff Jenkins. And you're now listening to Inspired 2022, the podcast where entrepreneurs, creatives, and the highly motivated go to be inspired. This includes Y-O-U. We have an amazing show for you today. So Genevieve, take it away. Jackie Gifford is the editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure, the world's leading travel brand, and appears frequently as an expert guest on television programs, such as NBC's Today Show, to discuss trends within the industry. Under her tenure as editor-in-chief, Travel and Leisure has won two National Magazine Awards, the James Beard Award, more than 10 Lowell Thomas Travel Journalism Awards, and much more. She's an avid traveler, and we can't wait to hear what wisdom she has to share with all of us. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have the one and only Jackie Gifford in the building today. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, Jeff, this is just such a treat. It's always a joy to talk to you. So thank you for having me. Well, no, thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want to go ahead and hop right into the questions because I have so many questions for you. It's very interesting because we're actually doing like the recording over Zoom. But I actually remember the first time we got to meet was via Zoom. And this was going into the summer of 2020. And I remember getting on the phone call with you. I was a little surprised at first because I didn't know what was going on at first. And it, it was just so great catching up with you, hearing about the initiatives and things that y'all were trying to do at Travel and Leisure. Uh, this is at the height of the Black Lives uh, Matter like movement and the protests that were going on. And just to hear that you wanted to do something uh, with your organization uh, and bringing in creators and things like that and Black journalists and stuff like that. I thought it was amazing. So thank you. And I'm glad that we can be here again today. Thanks, Jeff. It's uh, I can't believe how much time has passed, really. Uh-huh. In some ways, I feel like things happened just yesterday. And then when you really take stock and you realize that was almost two years ago. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm it, very shocked. You just saying I'm that right shocked. now makes me think to myself like, oh. Oh. Yeah, I know. It, it it really, it puts it in perspective. So you went to Princeton and you majored in English? I did. Right. I did. Right. I did. So, so what moment or like, like, did you realize that you wanted to like get into to writing and how did you even know that you can make a career out of it? That's a great question. So I, I should say as a child and, and really my whole life, I've been a big reader. I love to read. Any down moment I have, I spend reading a book, a magazine, a newspaper, a, anything, right? Instagram, any sort of, I guess I just love absorbing content in whatever form. So I, I was always a reader. And then as I got older and, and fell in love with writing, it, it, it really became clear to me in college because we were reading and writing all the time as an English major. I was probably reading at one point a thousand pages a week of wow. text and novels and contextualizing it and writing papers about it. And I fell into journalism in a way because I, I don't have a journalism degree. A lot of people in, in our field do, but I didn't go that route. I just fell into it just because I was interested in, in magazines. And I was lucky enough, I got a, a job out of school at Connie Nast and at Vanity Fair. And 
it just sort of took off from there. I, there was no, I would say, grand plan to do to do this, but I think it's a good fit for me for a variety of reasons. Because again, I love to read and I love to to tell stories and meet people. And I think I'm a good writer. I'm an okay writer. I, I always I get embarrassed sometimes reading my work after the fact, even my editor's letters. But I think that's probably normal for most people who are in our field. They, you know, oh, you have sure. that sort of like little nervousness once you put something out there and, and feel like it's not good enough. But that's just life. Oh, and I love that. So how did you actually become editor-in-chief? With magazines, things have changed over time, right? And I've actually been at TNL for almost nine years. So a lot of times people bounce around and it, it's rare, I'd say these days, that people stay in one place for a long time. It's just the way that the business has changed. But I started as a senior editor at Travel and Leisure in 2013, June of 2013. And just over time, I, I stayed because I really liked my job and I loved what I was doing. And there was luckily a path forward. And then it just sort of happened organically. And I applied for the job and I I got it and it's been a crazy ride. But I I guess in the back of my mind, you know, you always see editor in chiefs and hear what they do. And it, you know, it, it is a dream job. And I guess I probably always thought this would be a great role to have. But at the same time, you never really believe it's gonna come true. I think anybody in journalism, you know, has seen so many changes in how things have shifted over time. And the role of editor-in-chief has changed dramatically from what it was even 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I sometimes feel like I have, there's a case of imposter syndrome, like, do I really deserve this job? Am I still, you know, why am I here? But, But I think given everything that's happened again over the past two years and sort of watching travel fall apart and and really media in some ways fall apart. In hindsight, I think I was in the right job at the right time to be there to sort of bring people together and, and keep travel going. But once you were into like magazines and, and being a part of these different brands, did you actually have a goal of actually becoming editor-in-chief one day of, of some big brand? Sure. I think so. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I I always thought everybody has to have something to aspire to, right? You want to emulate the people that, uh, that are your mentors and hope that you can step into a job that's similar. And I was lucky enough to have two really great mentors at Travel and Leisure. The two editor-in-chiefs before me uh, who I worked under, Nathan Lump and Nancy Novograd, were wonderful. And they gave me opportunities. And I was able to sort of look at them and, and say, oh, yeah, I could see myself doing this. You know, that there's a great, um, there's a path forward for me here. Do you have like a pivotal moment that like actually took you to that point of like, mm, I really can do this? I guess. I I don't know if there's one specific moment. I think for me, you know, that first year I was in the job. So I started in November of 2018. And that first year I was really traveling so much and trying to just introduce myself to people and be out on the road. And I was traveling probably three or four times a month. But now, now I can say that I really sort of owned the position from March of 2020 onward. And it's not that I wasn't doing it before, but I think that everybody who was in a leadership role in some way became a crisis manager or got a crash course in crisis management. And I feel like really after that, I think there's probably not much... I, there's there's nothing I can't do. I have to I have to be honest. I think there's certain challenges that still come my way, but I feel like having lived through that, that I can navigate them because it's there's nothing as bad as what happened back then. Mm. And so how do you spend most of your time as editor-in-chief? I, do, again, I do a lot of reading. So what, you know, what I do most of my time is, well, A, meet new people, 
try to understand sort of what's happening in the business or industry, where there are openings, where there are closings, what have you, right? Where What destinations are getting ready to welcome visitors again? That's a whole nother dimension because of COVID that's changed things. And then I also spend time actually working with our editors to develop story ideas, approving story ideas, reading the stories that then get into the pages of the magazine, approving layouts. Uh, I have a great team of people around me who put it all together and, and I'm you know there to sort of steer the ship. And then another part of my job is actually really traveling and again, seeing places. I think it's it was certainly challenging at first when I couldn't travel. And then I started getting back out in the road in the summer of 2020, probably around when we started talking and understanding you know, what was going on out in the market. Last year, I actually traveled quite a bit. I went to Kenya. We were in Anguilla. I went to France twice, London, England. You know, there's It was actually a really good year to be out on the road and sort of seeing places open for the first time, you know, when I was in France and Paris in October and just seeing them be so, you know, the French be so thrilled to welcome Americans back. It was awesome. It was great. Yeah, that is definitely awesome. What would you say you're most proud of um, just through your journey um, of being editor-in-chief? I'm most proud of the fact that travel and leisure has grown during this time and we've gotten better I think we've gotten better as a brand and certainly recognizing, and this goes back to our first conversation, right? That we had, I think I recognize as an editor that we weren't doing as good of a job of reaching out to BIPOC contributors and telling stories that really spoke to the traveler of today. You know, there's the traveler of probably 10, 15 years ago. Travel has changed. It's incredible, right? We have, so, we, 2019, I say I always like to say, was a banner year for travel. We had more people on planes than ever before in the history of humanity. You know, travel had really become so accessible in some ways, still not probably as accessible as we want it to be. But compared to what it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, there's so many people going out on the road. And I, I think that as a brand, we had taken strides towards making sure that we were telling those stories, but not enough strides. So I would say I'm most proud of the fact that we've really thought critically about that and changed our approach accordingly. Oh, and I, I've, I've seen it and I'm trying not to get emotional right here because you and your leadership and your team being able to just even focus in and, and bring uh, bring to light and share those stories, BIPOC community contributors, uh, it really has benefited my life. And I really do appreciate that because I, I honestly, I wouldn't be in half of the positions I'm in now if it wasn't for me being able to partner with you all. I really do appreciate you and your leadership for that. So thank you. I actually want to ask that same question of like, what are you most proud of in more of a personal way? Mm, Oh gosh, my son, I think. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to get emotional. You know, I have a really sweet, sweet little kid who's, uh, who's also benefited from travel just like I did. Cause my parents really, I was an only child took me everywhere with them. And, um, my husband and I have a similar approach with our son to just bring him along for the ride. And I have really seen him grow on trips. Like kids really take these mental leaps when they travel, I believe. And they come wow. out of it with a grander, greater perspective of the world. And it's really amazing. He's got a great memory and every once in a while he'll come out and remember something from a trip that I just had completely forgotten about. So here's a good example. We're getting ready to go to Bermuda in a few weeks. And he remembered 
at the Hamilton Princess, which is a beautiful hotel. It's run by Fairmont right in the heart of Hamilton. We've stayed there a couple of times. He remembered the artwork in the lobby. And I guess it would, must have been a lounge or something on the, yeah, on the, on the fifth floor lounge. We told him we were going to Bermuda and he said, well, we're going to go see the Mickey Mouse. It's actually a big cause sculpture that's, you know, meant to represent wow. Mickey Mouse. And I was like, wow. And he hasn't been there, Jeff, in two years. He hasn't been there since actually more than that. He hasn't been there since October of 2019. And how old is he now? He's six. So he hasn't seen it since he was four. Wow. And I just sat there and Rob and I are like, wait, what's he talking about? Oh my God. He's right. He, he knows what. And so a lot of people I think are hesitant to travel with their children. They're afraid that at that little of an age, they're not going to remember it or they're going to, it's going to be wasted on them. And I always counter that with, yeah, they're not going to remember all the granular stuff when they're 40 years old. However, that you are leaving an impression on them and you're also benefiting from seeing them in a new place. So, but yes, I'm most proud of my son and also raising him during a strange time and trying to get him around people and just sort of, you know, that's been hard, but also he's come out of it. Okay. And so even to speak on that about traveling with your child has traveling with him, has it changed your perspective of travel? I think, one thing he's taught me is to slow down. There was a sort of a cataloging quality to travel and list, you know, checking the box that I think as a editor or writer, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, you're going to this place so I've got to do as much as I possibly can. Well, the reality is you can't do all that, right? So I think that having kids, you just physically can't do as much. And, and look, I'll be honest, there are some activities that he, because we're with him, I'm doing, and I wouldn't have done. Like we were in St. Louis recently and we went to the city museum, which was really cool. It's this old warehouse that's been converted by, it was an artist who sort of came up with this concept of making it into like an interactive exhibit for, for children. So there's all these caves you can explore, these beautiful glass sculptural elements like that sort of look nod to the history of the building, this huge giant slide, these sort of tunnels that you can climb. And would I have done that without Bobby? Probably not, but it was really fun. So there are things that I think that we can learn from children um, and also just, you know, their approach in general is much more open-minded in some ways than adults. And I love that. Me and my friend, uh, and you know who she is, uh, me and my friend Evie, who was a past yeah. guest on our show, we talk about our inner child a lot. Uh, of course. For some reason, that's like where our, our conversations usually end up. And so, yeah, I think that is definitely a great way, like is, is tapping into your inner child when you get to see your child going out there and experiencing and enjoying themselves as well. So I totally. love that. So another question is, what used to be one of your biggest weaknesses? Oh, used to be. I don't even, it might still be. Uh, I think I'm a, a pleaser. Mm. And, I, and I know that I really probably do too much at times to make other people happy. <laughs> I'm laughing. I think I, I need to sometimes say no. It's very hard for me to say no, you know, because saying yes has also given me great uh, joy at times and yeah. allowed me to meet new people. But at a certain point, there's just so much you can can do. And I think we're, as a society, having really interesting dialogues and conversations about mental health right now because a lot of people feel like they have to do 
everything, there's a performative quality to social media that makes us feel like we're always on at all times. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's several things happening at once right now that have made me realize that ultimately, if you're not feeling great, you don't have to do everything. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now I'm in, I'm in my feelings again. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, and this is with the recording that we're at right now. Uh, it was just this past weekend that uh, Miss USA. Uh, yes. Yes. And that, that yeah. really, and I was in New York when it happened. And yeah. um, so it, it just, it just really does impact you uh, in a lot of ways. And so being able to find boundaries between social media and real life, uh, is really a thing. And then just also just our careers and what we do and being able to find the boundaries. But you, I know, mean, you see, you see that beautiful woman and mm-hmm. it just, it breaks your heart. You're like, how could, how could everyone not have noticed? Or it's just, I think the thing that sort of we're all dealing with is, and it's sort of this idea of what is public and what's private and what people hide, right? Uh, or what they choose not to tell you. They're, you know, the social media is a choice. People are choosing to tell you only so much. For sure. And there's all these things that they're choosing not to tell you. And so, you know, I think we're going to have this debate or just talk about it for a very long time, as long as social media exists and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So I hope that people can find, and certainly with what you do, people really find joy and they relate to you. And that's, part of who you are, but you also have to have time for yourself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. My one piece of advice is don't get discouraged if you can't travel all the time. I think a lot of people feel like they have to sort of have been everywhere to work at a travel brand. Well, the reality is it's just not possible and, and certainly not necessarily possible now. So my thinking and just sort of philosophically, I think you can travel through reading. You can travel through consuming. You know, I was just watching Welcome to Earth this past weekend, right? And what an amazing show that was. And um, I'm not done yet, but that was a form of travel for me as I sat on my couch in New York City for... <laughs> for the night and had a bottle, you know, had a bottle of wine with my husband, you know, it was snowy and we weren't going anywhere. And, but you know what, that was a form of travel. So I would encourage people to just educate themselves at whatever way is possible and accessible for them, whether that's getting a book from the library or going to, uh, you know, going to your local restaurant and learning about the cuisine that someone has, you know, lovingly prepared for you and or getting on a plane, that's all possible. So it's just really, I think about education and, and over time you start to develop your, you know, sensibility and, and under, a greater understanding of the world and don't feel like you have to do everything at once. You know, I'm certainly not expecting that from everybody there. I, you know, I still consider, you know, I'm still learning, you, you know, it never stops. Right. So even sure. somebody in my position and your position who, you know, you've traveled a ton, but that doesn't mean that you, you've done it all. You know, I'll be 80 yeah. and I still won't have done it all. Wow. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I have one more question. A lot of people with this podcast, they listen to this podcast to hear from people and all of the success that others have and just like what they inspire to be. We have you here. So I would like to ask the question of uh, what advice or recommendations would you give for somebody uh, that's interested in becoming editor in chief of a travel brand or of a magazine? 
recommendations if you want to be editor in chief? Well, you have to be a people person. Number one, you have to like people. <laughs> you have to you have to be a really good listener. Mm-hmm. You have to be on a lot. Okay. You have to, and when I say be on, you have to be present. You have to read a ton and be open to ideas. Mm. And lastly, I would say, yeah, reading and being open to ideas is really important. I think you have to be hu- humble. Mm. I I wouldn't have gotten to this position without so many other people. And and obviously like I'm in this role, but but travel and leisure is a group of individual, a group of people that really make up the brand and it's not just me, right? So I think mm-hmm. any leader who sort of comes at it as if it's all them, mm. then I don't I don't know if you're setting yourself up for success that way. Wow. Oh, that's a good one. That is great advice right there. I really am. And I'm learning that a lot, just even being uh, over Chubby Diaries. And as we build the team out, like I realize a lot of this is falling on others and I, I can't be the one that takes the credit or uh, my opinions be the top of it all. So Absolutely. So I appreciate you on that one. The last two questions we have are two questions that we ask everybody that comes on our podcast. And so our first question is, what are you inspired to be, do, have for 2022? Oh, inspired to be, do, have. I'm inspired to be a better listener. Mm. Okay. I'm inspired to do a headstand in yoga. I still have never done one. Okay. I really want. I like that. I like that. (laughs) I really want to do that. And I'm inspired to have, I'm inspired to have more uh, reading time with my son. Because he's reading a lot now. He's starting. And I think it's important that we do more family reading together. I love it. I love it. And I, I know that have one was hard for you because yeah. uh, you seem like the person that always is giving. So <laughs> I'm glad you was able to find I'm like, something. What? what am I? I was like, let me think of something. Yeah. I mean, yes. And I, I stand by all those answers. I think those are good answers. <laughs> They're great answers. I love it. For our last question, can you give us some words of encouragement for our audience? A bit of advice that I think will help us all in 2022 is that it's okay to put yourself first. And what I mean by that is if you put yourself first, the rest falls into place and then you can take care of those around you. And sometimes I've found in my own life that I'm, as a pleaser, which we talked about earlier, I'm putting other people first, but sometimes you have to put yourself first and then the rest of it will will fall into place and you'll, you'll be better off because you're going to be in a better place mentally, physically, spiritually to help other people. If you take care of yourself. I love that. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackie Gifford. Thanks, Jeff. Is there any um, big things coming up that you want to give a shout out to? Or Sure. We've got our global vision awards coming up in April in the April issue. So uh, stay tuned for that. It'll live digitally in March, but we are recognizing, honoring for the third year in a row now, travel providers, you know, it's brands, companies, people who are doing good work, both uh, in the sustainability sphere, but also in terms of DEI, equity, and it's a great group. 
and we've really, uh, I'm really proud of that franchise and all that it represents for the travel industry. I love it. I love it. So we'll leave all her links and everything below. Um, make sure you also uh, get a copy of Travel and Leisure or go to their website uh, or go on Apple. Is it Apple News? Um, go on Apple News Plus and actually get the full magazine experience from your phone. It, it's a pretty great way to see it. So yeah, make sure y'all find these copies too. I think this was January, yeah. February of last yes, year. Yes, it you was. A copy of it. So uh, thank you so much again. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate this. All right. We'll see each other soon, hopefully. Take care. You just listened to Inspire 2022 with Jeff Jenkins, presented by Chubby Diaries. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. Catch our next episode on Tuesday at 5 a.m. Stay inspired, my friends.